want to discuss something with the oil. We have to understand a human being, a human being's needs, a human being's nature, and how we could deal with that when it comes to Torah and Avodat Hashem. And when we understand that, we'll understand our challenges better, and we'll understand how to deal with our challenges in a better way. The human being was built in a way that he has to feel pleasure, sipuk, he has to feel how his avoidance Hashem is good for him, not in a spiritual sense. One of the big proofs of that is, it says, Yisachar Hamor Garim. Yisachar is compared to a donkey, right? He accepts upon himself the yoke of Torah. The yoke of Torah means, Torah is a real yoke. It's a real undertaking. It's such a strong undertaking, I'm going to explain to you how strong that undertaking is. We know that it says in Chazal that if a person accepts upon himself the yoke of Torah, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will remove from him the yoke of making a living. The yoke of Shibud Malchus. Nosem Vachvayel explains, it's not a segula. He explains that the yoke of Torah takes over a person in such a way it would be impossible for him to have the ability to deal also with having to make a living. To deal with all the other yokes of life, there's just much no time, energy, ability to do that in reality. That's how big and huge the all of Torah is, right? So we have Yisachar. Yisachar is, a, is taking the yoke of Torah. And it says in the Pasuk, why do you do that? He saw the unbelievable Maila of Menucha Sanefesh. You have to explain what Menucha Sanefesh is. But he saw the unbelievable Menucha Sanefesh that Torah gives a person. He saw different things about those who accept the yoke of Torah. How unbelievable it is for him. It's not talking about an olam haba, it's talking about an olam hazeh. So he saw how it's worth it in olam hazeh to be able to do that. And because of that, it says, Vayet Shechmonus Bo. That's why he bent over to take this yoke, because Vayal Menucha Kitov. So the question is, that's a reason why you accept the yoke of Torah? The reason why you're supposed to accept the yoke of Torah is because it's the right thing to do. That's the right thing to do. If the Torah is to accept the yoke of Torah is the right thing to do, that's why you do it. So why is he saying, Vayar Okay? So we see a deep thing here that we all have to get clear. We are dealing with the human being, the body of the human being. The body of the human being has to see that the Torah way of life is really a way of happiness, of sweetness, 
the darchenoam of the Torah, nitivotei shalom, menucha. The body, in order for the body to put itself out and to be moist and nefesh for something, it's not enough intellectually. You know it's right. You also have to know that it's sweet. You also have to know that it's beneficial. That means to make that decision, there has to be two parts into the decision. One part of the decision is that it's emet. That's the intellectual part of the decision. And then the other part is that we're going to talk about how you feel the sweetness in a minute. But the other part of the decision is that you come to a recognition that it's actually sweet. It actually feels good. That's a very deep point. Many people in the yeshivas do not understand this. The Torah says openly, talking about Torah, it says that it is more un, more hano uh, than zohav umipaz. It's more sweet than honey. So it says, it discusses explicitly in the Torah about how gishmak it is. Now, I don't know if any of you know how gishmak making money is, because I don't know if you ever made money. But it's obviously very gishmak to make money, and a lot of money, because people are moist and nefesh, yoyma would not stop to make money. So it's obviously gishmak to make money, right? Nobody here would know that, but... That's the way it is, right? People give their lives and the Amelis and Yagiya and they travel and they, they, they put so much energy to make money. So it's obviously Gishmak to make money and it says it's more Gishmak than making money. It's more Gishmak than having treasure houses. So that's pretty Gishmak. Treasure houses and money are Gans Gishmak. The whole world's busy with Yom Valayim. So it's got to be Gans Gishmak, right? And it's more sweeter than honey. So honey we taste it, it's gishmak, it's sweet. Sweeter than that. So before we understand the chazal itself, but why does that have to be revealed to me? I learned Torah because you have to learn Torah. You have to know the Ratz and Hashem. Sweet, not sweet. Money, not money. Okay, what's enough, Kevin? And every morning we make a belacha. Make it sweet. That means that sweetness, knowing that it's sweet, actually feeling the sweetness, and the enjoyment in learning, is part of the mitzvah itself. Okay, this is a very deep point. The way Hashem built the human being is that he has to feel the tainug has to be touched by it in a certain way, a deep way, called tainug. Oneg, pleasure. He has to feel the sweetness. He has to feel why it's sweeter than honey. He has to feel why it's more gishmak to put his life into learning and really feel it more of a feeling than a guy who's making money. And that's really ultimately the driving force behind how you pass tests. You're not going to pass tests because learning is right. 
It's when you're going to taste the sweetness of it, then everything else will pale in comparison. And therefore, it's not a test. Because, well, you're going to take away this sweetness to give me that. Right? That's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is for a person to have such an unbelievable sweetness from learning in order that it will give him the energy to overcome the challenges of life because this is sweeter than that. Okay? So we have to understand a few things here. This sweetness of learning is a big work to get it. It's a big work to get it. And the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu made life is you first have to invest in something you believe in and then the sweetness will come afterwards. As opposed to other things like natural desires. Natural desires, you feel the sweetness like that. So therefore, there's no work involved. You follow your desires instinctively, impulsively, because you are drawn after the pleasure, automatically. However, on the side of holiness, the pleasure has to come second. You first have to go into it because it's the right thing to do and accept it, the yoke of it, and do the work, and then the pleasure comes after. But you have to believe from the first step that there will be pleasure there. You have to know that the pleasure will be there. When Yisachar accepted the yoke of Torah, he saw that there is menucha there. He didn't feel the menucha yet. He may not have felt the menucha when he started. But ultimately, he felt the menucha. Now, why is it difficult in the beginning of the sweetness comes in later? Is because you are dealing with your body who has a different idea of what's called sweetness and happiness and it sees this as a contradiction. It sees what you're doing as a contradiction and therefore there is that internal battle going on constantly. And this is something we have to work with. But I just want one more dimension here. Okay? Now, the way the human being was built, the way the human being was built is... He can't just follow desires. Because always there's a piece of himself that's telling him what you're doing is wrong. There's a conscience. A person has a conscience. And the conscience is always telling him what you're doing is wrong. So therefore, if one follows his desires, he needs to build a justification for what he does. And that's where it gets dangerous. Because when one builds the justification, then it's very hard to change him. Because it's ready now, emet, what he's doing is emet. This is the challenge we deal with all the time. And the first layer is, you see people come to you and say, I can't learn because I'm not enjoying it. Okay? The basic premise of that hanoho is the only reason why I should do something is because I enjoy it. That's like, so even though you're not entirely wrong, you're wrong. You have to invest in something and then you'll enjoy it. But not enjoying it is not the deciding factor, should I learn or should I not learn because it's enjoyable or not enjoyable. That's not the deciding factor. 
But the way the brain works is, since I don't enjoy it, I only want to do what I enjoy. We're not trained yet to do what's emet. Right now we're only trained to do what we enjoy. That's the way we are. If we like something, if it's enjoyable, if it's pleasurable, we go after it. If it's painful, if it's not pleasurable, we go away from it. That's the way how we're trained. But automatically he has to justify his behavior. So he has to say, not everybody's cut out for learning. We also need supporters of Torah. He has all kinds of explanations to define what he's doing. I have to be a person who has, uh, you know, a scheduled day. I'll be much more scheduled. I'll be much more productive. That means all those will come after. Where he will say that this is the right thing to do because he enjoys something else and he doesn't enjoy this. So that's where we have to be very careful. Because of course we have to be masking that sitting and learning, sitting through an entire seder and working through a sugya is not enjoyable in the beginning. Now we have to work how to accept that this is the emet, it's the right thing, and therefore we go with the challenge until we build ourselves. It's our responsibility to build ourselves. Davening is not geshmak. Torah is not Geshemach. A lot of things are not Geshemach. But we have a responsibility to build it. Now, one of the reasons why we have a hard time enjoying learning is because we're still doubting the truth. That means if I'm doing something, let's say I'm in a job. And the job I'm in, I'm not sure if I like the job, I want to stay in the job, I'm not sure if I want to stay in the job, Right? So I can't become at peace with, with what I'm doing. So I'm lacking that uh, being into it. I can never enjoy it. It's like the Gemara says, when a guy gets married, you ask him a question. Matzah or motzeh? You know that Gemara? Matzah or motzeh? Meaning there's two kinds of women. One the Torah says about the woman, matzah, isha, matzah, tof. You found a woman, you found good. The other pasuk says, I found that the woman is more bitter than death. So now this guy, imagine he comes out of his chasana and they're dancing, they're getting into the limo, you know, the limo to have. When I talk about chasanas at a different time, because I have a lot of beef about chasanas, but that's not today's shows. Okay? Maybe I should talk about it. Okay, but this is what it says. Okay? So now the guy's getting into the limo and you say, you tap him on the shoulder, you say, excuse me, hatan, rega, matzah or motzeh? Now, well, one second, you know, I, I did decide to get married, you know. What kind of question is that? And he probably won't know the answer for that for a long time, you know. He has to first experience marriage. When he experiences marriage, he'll know if it was matzah or motzeh, right? And, and besides, what's your business anyway? Right? So a pshat, and this is, this is a psychological thing. When you're dating, so you have spakers. This one, that one, is it for me? Is it not for me? So you're being motze, actively looking, trying to find. But once you make that decision, there's no more questions. There is no other people on the market anymore. 
over. That's the attitude of matzah. Once it's matzah, marriage can work. Because no two people are exactly the same, and no two people are perfect, and you're not perfect, and your wife's not perfect. But if I say matzah, I found the one I want to build with, then life will be good. With the challenges, it will be good. But if I'm always, every time I come home and then my wife says something and I say, one second, did I make the right decision or not? You're done. You are so cooked, it's not even chayich and metziyas. So it's like telling the chatan, what's your attitude? Is your attitude matzah? Then it'll be ishatov. If your attitude is motzeh, mar mibabet. So it's, it's talking to the chosim. Matzah or motzeh? What kind of guy are you? Okay? So... If let's say I come to yeshiva, yeshiva has challenges. So if I say, I came to peace with it, this is the right thing for me to do, matzah. The challenges, no problem, I'll deal with it. But if I'm like always in a suffolk, motzeh, is it for me, is it not for me, should I go to work, should I make money, should I do this, should I do that? Marimimah. Now, it doesn't have to be so intense, your suffix. Like such a conscious suffix. Such a, like a, on your mind suffix. But in your mind. If you're still not borukicham. That this is the right path of life. And over here is the true sweetness. When you finally get there. And this is the best thing that you could be doing with the best years of your life. But that's not clear by you. That means it's still... There's a makam chalois suffolk in the brain. You can't enjoy learning. Cannot. Because the learning itself has a challenge. The avoidance Hashem has a challenge. But if you're still questioning it, even in not such a conscious way, but in a subconscious way, in a deeper part of yourself, it's not sure, you can't enjoy it. But then on the other hand, it's very hard to say, okay, I made that decision. And that's it. It's not even a shayla. So the smarter way to do it is, you take a segment of time. Let's say you say one year, this is what I'm doing, 100%. It's the right thing to do. I'll talk to you, Yetzirah, in a year from now. We'll discuss the subya. Right now we're not discussing. When you put that in your head, this is the decision I made. And this is a psychological thing too. Some people don't know how to do that in general. They're always doubting. Did I make the right decision? Did I not make the right decision? Should I continue? Should I not continue? They have no understanding how to go through life. In life you have to think about something and make a decision. When you make the decision, it's no more under question anymore. The decision is final. You don't have to make a final decision for the next 10 years of your life. But you made a final decision for whatever that decision was. We will revisit that. At a certain date, we will talk again. Should we go further or not? That's a possibility too. But a person cannot be comfortable in life to do anything if he's always making hakiris. Can't do that. Which is one of the most powerful weapons of the Yetzirah. That's not my chidush. Chidush of choyves halavavos. 
He says the Hebrew part, the one that explains the simplified English, Hebrew. It says, Haneshek Hagadol, the great weapon of the Yetzirah is to make you doubt things that were even previously very clear to you. Doubt. Doubt is what he does. But what I'm trying to explain to you is, when you doubt, you can't enjoy. Because you have to be masur to something. Because everything has its challenges. Nothing is so easy. Everything has challenges. You go into a job, you lock into a job, you lock into a business, you lock into a marriage, you lock into a seder, you lock into a, to, to, to learning, to being an avrech. Everything is hard, but you have to lock in. If you don't lock in, you can't enjoy. But the Yitzhah is constantly making you doubt. Doubt yourself. Doubt your abilities. Doubt, should I be here? Doubt, should I be learning with this chavrusa? Doubt, is this the right magad shit? Doubt, doubt, constant doubt. So every single different angle possible so a person cannot have any menuchas hanefesh whatsoever and he can never appreciate what he has. He can never appreciate his enjoyment. This is even something in dealing with Yitzhah from a different angle, but it's the same concept. When Abraham Avinu made a shvua, he's not going to take anything from Sedom, from the war, from the spoils of the war, so he can make a Kiddush Hashem that he doesn't get his wealth from the Sedom, right? So why do you have to make a shvua for? If you hold intellectually that that is a proper thing to do, if you made a decision that that's the proper thing to do, so decide it. What do you have to swear for? What's the point in swearing? If you decide that's the right thing to do, not to take the money, so just make a decision. You're a man, you made a decision. What's the problem? So the tarot says because there's a big gate to horror for money. Even Abraham Avinu had a big gate to horror for money, not to use it the way we use it. We use it for other things, you know, it can be more helpful. You understood that there's a gate to horror, you can be more helpful. So he made it non-negotiable. I can't doubt the decision I made. If I don't swear, so the HR could come back and make you have a suffix if your decision was right. But if he made a shvua, it's non-negotiable. Swore, what am I going to do? Nothing to talk about. So he take away the ability to doubt. This is a very clear thing in Avoidah that even when we were clear, in a time of clarity, we made a decision, but the Yetzirah will make doubts. Now, make doubts doesn't mean that you get up one morning and you start having like this bilbul hadat and svekot. doesn't mean like that necessarily. There are circumstances that come up that make you doubt. The Yetzirah puts us into circumstances that make us doubt. You came in and the learning was hard and you couldn't get it clear and blah, 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 whatever it was, right? The circumstance made you doubt. It wasn't just like you woke up in the morning with doubts in your head. There are people that have that uh, problem, but most people don't have that problem. The doubts. Your parents can make you doubt. Your parents can say, are you sure? You're cut out for learning. How are you going to live? You got to put food on your table. Good meaning people sometimes too, they put doubts in your head. Are you sure this is the right thing? Right? So then all of a sudden you have doubts. But, I, but yesterday it was clear. But Kozma, that we're in the sugya of clearing, Ulaye, Ulai know, you cannot enjoy the learning. This is one problem. We are mechuyiv 
to sit down and understand why we are not enjoying it. As you see, that's a very fundamental question and avoid this Hashem. Most of us think that if you don't enjoy something automatically, you're not cut out for it. That's what we assume automatically that's the way it is, right? We assume. Or we assume that Torah you don't have to enjoy it. Avoid this Hashem. You do it Hashem Shemaim and you can suffer your way right through it. Okay? Most assumptions are wrong. If the Torah is be'etzem sweet, then we have to know what stands in the way of the sweetness. That we have to figure out why we're not enjoying it. Even though the system was built that you don't enjoy it right away, but part of the process of getting to enjoy it is finding out what in your reality makes it not enjoyable. So we gave one explanation. One. Because you doubt that it is the emet, and you doubt that it's really, really, really sweet, and it's really, really the right thing in life, and therefore the challenges make the doubt keep coming up. And cold comment of doubts in you, you won't enjoy it. That's one cheshb. There's many more cheshbites. But if you're a bocher or avrech, and you definitely should be faced with this challenge, most people are not born tahor merechem, so I can assume that most people should be faced with this, even if the guy's learning, he's learning. But is he learning his full potential? Is he learning his full energy? No, because it's not. If it would be sweet as making money, his full energy would for sure be there. Not a question. So whatever darga you're on, whatever madrega you're on, you have to ask yourself what stands in between me and the complete enjoyment, and then I know what I have to work on. So you have to know yourself. You have to be aware. You have to be aware of what is standing in the way. For some people, being in yeshiva is absolute being in jail. Absolute. They are yoshiv or mitzapi or mechake, like the way you're supposed to wait for Mashiach. For the day they can be free to make guilt. Right now they have problems. Their parents won't allow. They have problems. Society will not look at it properly. They were told that they're not going to get a decent shiduch. They're also not sure because the mice their friend left yeshiva. He married a decent girl. Maybe whatever. Right? So all these different things. But at the end of the day, they really, their heart doesn't want to be here. And the reason why their heart doesn't want to be here is because they look at themselves and they say, you know, it only pays to learn your vomits like Be'iyun, the way we do here, if one day you'll be a Magad because what else are you going to do with it? In business, no one cares how Zika works. In the shuls, they only want to know what's Pshat Avraham Avinu. And they, so what am I going to do with this thing here, you know? So what benefit does it bring me? So if Bishlem, if I'm going to be a Magad one day, which I know for sure I'm not going to be, that's what the person already decided, he's not able to do that. So then what am I doing? I have to be successful in life. Everybody has to be successful in life. And with my demyoinus, every kid has a demyoinus, that he can be this guy, what's his name, Musk, you know, uh, $50 billion, of course, partial, it's easy to be him, right? So I, I know myself, I have koiches, I can be a salesman, I can be a I can run a business, the guy can't even get up in the morning, but whatever, that's another Shiloh. But bottom line is, in his demyoinus, he thinks he can make money, he thinks it's easy to make money, it's just as hard to make money as to become a Tamachachim Agav. But anyway, right? So he thinks he can make money, and then this is jail. This is jail. 
has to be here. And so if you want to learn, when you want to enjoy when you're in jail, who's going to enjoy when he's in jail? Now you never thought of it in these terms, but that's what it is, Lamaisa. You know, you just have to look it in the eye and say, I need Margisha, I need the jail. You know, it's so hot, I need pub, it's so hot. You follow? So, of course, when you're in jail, you try to make the best of it. I visited people in jail, they try to make the best of it. They play cards outside, and they, uh, whatever, they can get to, to, to the bed over, you know, they try to figure that out. You make the best of the situation, you know. So, of course, I make the best of the situation. I try, you know, that's why the room, my room rates are so important to me, because at least I'll have a social life, you know, if I can't, if I'm, I'm stuck here anyway, I might as well have Gishmaka roommates. And then I need also how to wiggle and jiggle that phone enough that I don't get thrown out so that way I can also enjoy life while I'm here. I try to make the best of the situation to survive this difficult jail sentence until you're old enough to tell your parents a brother about Tzlocha, I love you very much, but I gotta move on in life. Or until you get your Shiduch and then you say, now I'm married, I have bills to pay, what am I gonna do? You know what I'm saying? I'm also married, I also got bills to pay, and what? I'm still here, you know? So, the bills is not the machayev to leave Kailu. There's other things, because you wanted to leave in the first place, and then you found the excuse. Okay, I'm saying Call a spade a spade, you know? So, Akoponim, we have to learn how to change that attitude. Every person has to work on that. Now, if you think that you're just going to deal with your problems by sitting in your bed and thinking about it and, or talking about it with your friends around the supper table, I want to tell you a big cloud. Two Amarats and don't make one Tamachon. That, that's usually how it works. You understand? So, a bunch of Amarats and saying their theories around the table, we still didn't get anywhere. You have to open a book that can teach you. Or you go to a rabbi who can teach you. But you're not going to figure it out yourself, especially you don't know much about yourself or life either. So this is important, Rabbi Of course it's important to enjoy learning. It's so important that you have to ask yourself why I'm not. And you have to understand that the first step to get to the enjoyment is the first to makabal is the emiss. If you're not makabal is the emiss, you can't get to that step. So that's the job of a learner. So somebody came to me today and he asked me, why does Hashem make it so hard? Okay? It's hard to have children. It's hard to be married. It's hard to, to make a living. And anything that has value is hard. And he came here for a reason. Nobody should have made it like this hard, not like that. I mean, you should have made it easy to sit through say it, just hard to figure out the choices. Exactly how you like it to be. You understand? So, Rabbi Sai. This is we are together as the Oilam, in the Kailu, in the Shiva, Bochrem, in the Light, Rebbeim, together. We go through this together. We work together to develop that attachment to learning. And when we finally get the attachment to learning, that will take care of your taivas. Because when you start to feel the menucha and the oinig of attachment the Torah, and you start to feel that pleasure, and you start to feel that sipuk, it makes it much, much easier to deal with the other types. Obviously, until we get there, we can't be hefker on the types, because as much as we're hefker on the types, we won't be more suited to learning. So yes, even the gedarim that we put are painful, because you basically, that's my only place of pleasure. Here I have no pleasure, and then you're cutting me off from my pleasure. 
So I'm living a life without pleasure. And that's a pretty painful place to be. Masking. However, when you cut the pleasure from there as much as you can, and then you work on attachment here, with time, you start to feel good about yourself. And that's a very important thing. Okay? We'll stop there.